Back Porching Podcast is brought to you in part by Legacy Now. Legacy Now is a ministry I lead that exists to serve those that serve others, primarily in the student ministry space. If I can serve you for more information about my ministry or to connect with me on social media, you can find more information at LegacyNow.me. That's LegacyNow.me. Hey there, welcome to the porch. Uh, today I'm excited for you to get a chance to hang out with my friend Andrew. Andrew uh, Stanley is a professional comedian now, which is awesome. But uh, hey, we recorded this this afternoon and it's a little uh, cold and windy out, so you might hear some some random noise like that. And that's just kind of part of the challenge we had trying to get good um, good recording. Just the weather's kind of been weird today. But um, hey, I, I look forward to you getting to know and, and spend some time with Andrew. I met Andrew when he was in middle school, I think. And we've experienced a lot of life together in small group and some other things and uh, a lot of good memories, a lot of challenging things. And I'm super proud of this dude, super proud of him chasing his dream and what he's doing. And I can't wait for you to hear him and get to hear a little bit more about how he thinks and what he's doing as he chases a dream that God's given him. And um, I'm just so proud of Andrew because he has kept his feet uh, serving churches, which is super cool, but also doing a lot of comedy in places that are not necessarily bright and he's doing his best to be a positive and bright light and uh, that's a weird thing to kind of uh, polarity to manage and I think he's done that very well so far and I know it hasn't been easy and it's a challenge and I'm super proud of him for uh, the way he's navigating all that and as he continues to chase his stuff hey I uh, just so you know Andrew and I have spent a lot of time together we spent a lot of time back here on the porch and our conversations are always super random and super sarcastic, and we go from super, uh, I've used the word super a bunch today, I don't know why, but um, we, we go from really deep ideas to this TV show we're watching, to another deep theological idea, to uh, sports, and we kind of go back and forth all the time, and that's been our relationship for a long time, and that's just kind of how our brains work, I think, when we're together, but you're going to hear in this conversation, I haven't edited one bit of it, and I won't, but it's just a random, you're going to hear us go all over the place, and that's really hanging out on the porch with Andrew and I and spending time together, and I can't wait for you to get to spend some time with my buddy Andrew, so without further ado, welcome to the Back Porch with Andrew Stanley. Hey there, welcome back to the porch. Uh, hey, today's a little, it's a, it's a cold, uh, wintry day. It's windy outside, so you might hear the wind picking up a little bit. So uh, that's kind of part of hanging out on the porch, so get, get used to that or get ready for that if that happens uh, during our time together. Got a really cool uh, time for us today. I get a chance to hang out with someone that I think you're going to love. Spending some time with, this is a, a friend I've known for quite a while and met when you were in eighth grade? That sounds right. Ish. And uh, anyway, I, I'm excited for you to know my good friend, Mr. Andrew Stanley. Hello. Are <laughs> you sure? Andrew Stanley? Uh, yes, thank you for having so me. You haven't taken the... a stage name yet or anything? No, I don't think the stage name is going to help me. <laughs> Only know, in certain circles? A lot of people have made it work. I'm not a, I was never even good at having nicknames. They never stuck. Did you ever have any nicknames growing up? I'm trying to think. I've tried to forget most of them. There was like Stan Man, but that didn't stick very long. 
I've never heard that. I heard that in high school. Did you <laughs> you have, like, people called me that behind my back. Yes, well. That's kind of a nice it's one. It's time to bring all that out. Uh, in baseball, they call me the Stanley Steamer. That's right. That's correct. Um, yeah. And then they saw me play, and they're like, I don't think he can have that. He's yeah. not fast enough. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, man. I, we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm, I'm super glad that you're a part of this. And, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of lesser podcasts will do their recordings in podcast studios or in their sure. basement that's been soundproofed but you've chosen to have yours outdoors thank you which i think is really brave with just two microphones plugged into a computer. two microphones both of your neighbors have dogs yes <laughs> on both sides of us yes and it's the middle of the afternoon right now so you're probably gonna hear like a ups truck go by well i was listening to one of the episodes that you did at night and you could hear crickets yes loudly in and the so, background you know in the which, summer back here as a comedian is not what you want to fill the silence <laughs> So that's why I asked if I could come in the afternoon. I'm kind of used to that when I tell jokes to people, so... Yeah, the crickets. You just stop here noticing them at some point. You remember that summer of the frog where I had that frog in the backyard that sounded so loud? Uh, I do remember that. Did we ever find him? No! He he died of old age. How long do frogs live? That's a great question. That one lived for about three summers, and it was like he had a megaphone. They do that for mating, right? Uh, I, I didn't know that. Well, I was thinking it would be like a bad trait to be a loud frog because then it's easier for the predators to find you. That's true. I'm but not currently up to date on frog you gotta mate. practices, but I'll Google that later. I think probably uh, I think the female frogs are probably attracted to a nice deep well, then croak. I bet he had some suitors because homie was loud. Yeah, I was saying that. Assuming that, that was a male. That deep croaking frog probably was <laughs> probably was a happy guy. Uh, for those of you who weren't here that summer, on the back porch we had a frog that uh, we were we literally had to talk over it. Like we would be sitting on the back porch hanging out talking about stuff, and this frog was croaking so loud you literally had to like think about saying something over the frog. And we never found it. We would go outside with a flashlight and look for it, and never found it. We're already outside. We would go off the porch. Anyway, it may have been an escape from the zoo. I don't think it was a local. <laughs> species it's like a freak it was like frog. from south america or yeah. something yeah huh. there is a lake behind my house so maybe it was like who knows what's in that lake yeah all kinds of creatures oh man um anyway hey today's gonna be fun uh andrew as you can tell andrew and i speak a lot in sarcasm and uh, uh i'll give you a super quick version of my my relationship with andrew had a chance to walk through the high school's journey with him it's his small group leader and friend and um, we'll talk about this a little bit after down the road too. We also had a chance to actually lead a group together for a while before this whole new career happened. And then while that career happened, anyway, yeah, uh, during, but over the years, we spent a lot of time back here talking about life and talking about relationships and talking about faith and everything in between and just hanging out, watching football or watching movies. And so, um, you're an obvious person to have on this podcast, not just because of what you're doing now, just because we spent a lot of time back here talking and hanging out and just well, doing life together. Thank you. And we've always said, you've always said the back porch is a safe space and what's said here stays here. And, and it seems like you've uh, you've right. gone back on that a little bit. Well, it's kind just... Of what's said here it goes correct. to anyone in the world who would want to hear <laughs> who it. Who listens to the podcast. Yeah, so... There are things... My are, filter is on. Yeah, there were some guys over there tonight. And we were actually talking about the podcast, and I said, yeah, that's a weird polarity now, because this is always, but we were talking about some very personal things, and we were like, well, that's never going to go. He was like, I hope I turn the microphones off. Yeah. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I, you know, like, you know, we were joking, but the hope is this is a culmination of a lot of those conversations that we can uh, release to the public. Yeah. No, I love it. Some things that will always stay back here and never needs to, if these walls could talk, dear Lord, I'm glad they don't. Um, Yeah, we'd be in jail. Hey, for those who don't know you, I'm sure because most people, if they're listening to this, they probably know me, which means they probably know you, more or less. But, I think that uh, we know different people. But give us the 100,000-foot story of Andrew W. Santa. Andrew. <laughs> That's how close we are. You know my middle initial. Um, the 100,000-foot th- the version. Um, I grew up right here in Alpharetta, Milton area. Mm. Um, son of a pastor, grandfather, also a pastor. Um, so I grew up in church, um, homeschooled until high school. And so I met you right at the end of my homeschool mm-hmm. journey, and <laughs> then I went to public high school, where I went to school with all my friends that I had made at church, which thankfully I went in with some some friends. And you had a great first day of high school. First day of high school, I was uh, yeah. Where should we go there? My my rolling backpack uh, <laughs> did not. <laughs> no one else had that. At public school, in homeschool, we loved the rolling backpacks, which is I don't know why we even had them because it's not like we had to really go anywhere. But I had to get a new backpack you. pretty quickly, and then I got a one-strap backpack, oh. which was even worse because that's just like a yeah, you got to be like a like a tomb raider. Like one step away from a fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. Then I just went with a regular standard backpack, <laughs> but. But the friends that I went into high school with that I had known from church while I was homeschooled are the ones that ended up being in our small group together that we started in ninth grade, and that went for all four years of high school, which is a huge part of my life and story. Um, And then I went to college, got a finance degree, got out of college, got a finance job, and then started doing stand-up comedy kind of as a hobby at comedy clubs. And that started to pick up some momentum, and I started getting booked out of town. And so, three years into my corporate finance job, I quit <laughs> to become a full-time stand-up comedian. And that was about a year ago. And now I'm just a health insurance-less comedian. That, living the uh, dream. Living the dream. So far, so good. <laughs> You didn't mention Auburn. I'm surprised you didn't go. You didn't I attended I Auburn. School. Well, I don't like to, you know, I've learned from mentioning it on stage that it could be polarizing. That's true. That's a for good point. People can't, sometimes people will hear that and then they can't like you after, yeah. no matter what else you say. Probably in one state of the union, for sure. Yeah. And I'll do some kind of veiled jokes at Alabama sometimes. Well, uh, yeah. If, if you mention the University of Alabama from stage, even the politest graduate audience member will can't help but yell out roll tide yeah so you have to have some things prepared for that it's like in your blood i don't know it's like a transfusion that happens once you become a fan yeah the alabama they never went there but they are big on the chance um so yeah so now i'm uh traveling around the country getting to do stand-up at comedy clubs and churches and fundraisers and cruises every now and then and it's a it's a fun time a lot different than cubicle life but I was thinking about all the people in our small group. None of us have real jobs out of the five of us. Well, real jobs is wrong. Like corporate world yeah, jobs. Yeah, nine to five jobs. Like Johnny is in seminary and is a writer. Chandler was at a church, and I think he's working. He might Actually, I think he's in insurance now, so that's okay. like a real job. There you go. Um, 
Keegan's young life and Patrick is working at church. Yeah. So Chandler's the only one with a real job now. How about that? I'm sure there's a joke there, but I'm not gonna <laughs> I'll let you make it. You're the professional joke. Yeah. Well, I just think it reflects on you that none of us yeah, left prepared to take on to a real, real responsibility. I'm here to serve. Appreciate that. That was great. Yeah. No, that was a, man, we had so many, that was a unique group for me. And up to our small group, most of my groups had come out of, like, outreaches from this other ministry. And so a lot of those guys were new to faith and new to the idea of small group. And you guys were my first real small group of dudes who mostly grew up in the church. Yeah, all of us, really. And, and you guys have known each other for a long time, and it really helped us. Uh, we just had a great community. We spent a lot of time together, watched a lot of football, ate a lot of chili. We were here several nights a week. It was fun. It was great. It kept was us fun. out of trouble. I you kept, you kept me from going to the parties that I didn't even get invited to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you always thought that we chose to be here, but really we just didn't have anywhere else uh, to go. I didn't, at I'm least. Glad you believe that. I didn't have many options, so I'm thanks. I'm glad you were here. It was fun, though. Yeah. It was fun. Except for that one time, we don't need to go too deep into this, where... Um, Let's get into it. My high, my college football team of choice Yeah. was ranked number one in the country preseason and um, played Alabama, actually, full time, at yeah. home, and got the crap kicked out of them. Yeah. And my attitude was not well that yeah, night. We saw a different side of you. Y'all left my house and went outside to throw the football. I took my dog with me. Your life kind of, your attitude for college football never was the same after that. Because I think you realized, yes, I can't be this way. No. And then afterwards, you're just kind of more casual, more you know. Yeah. You lose, no, that lose, was a wake-up call for me. Because there was a yeah, there was a defined yeah. shift in yes. your attitude. As one of my friends says a lot, it's a great game, but it's a bad god. Yeah, yeah, it's football. not a good. Not a good place to put your identity in. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Nineteen year olds. After I lost my cool there, but it was, we yeah. all have our days. We gave you some time. We have our moments. But, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it. we were talking about it beforehand. Like I, a couple years ago, you had just graduated college, and we were hanging out back here watching football one Saturday, and you looked at me and said, "Hey, are you done leading small groups?" Because I was in a season where the group I had after you guys had transitioned. Yeah. And wasn't sure what was next, and the next day I was at uh, our church that you grew up at and then I, I would volunteer at and um, your dad's pastor at so I guess it is our church um, yeah. <laughs> and I have to go ran into so. the mom of a guy who was in your group and she was like hey are you done leading small groups Mrs. Wells yeah and we had just talked about it like literally a couple hours before and this one was like oh and she mentioned that she had a son who was a freshman they have several sons mm -hmm. they have m many sons <laughs> yes they do they're a family of many father many father David Wills had many sons bless his heart um so anyway, that started the conversation, and so you and I actually went in and had a, a chance to walk through a uh, high school career with a group of dudes who graduated in May. Yeah. And, uh, man, that was fun doing that together. What was that like for you, just kind of, we talked about this a little bit, but just you kind of being on the other side of that, being in the leadership, yeah, the ownership for walking through life with those dudes. Yeah, before that, I the only small group I'd really ever led was when I was in high school, you forced us all to leave middle school groups because at the time you were in charge of the middle school ministry and you needed some Force is leaders. a hard word, but... Um, we are strongly encouraged. Um, <laughs> but this was really the first time, I'd, I'd, definitely the first time I'd ever led a high school group, and it was fun especially to lead it with you since you were my leader when I was in high school, and it was fun to see the behind-the-scenes of how you operate a small group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, that's what he was doing to us. Yes. 
Because um, you guys never thought I had a plan. Yeah, it turns out we were right most of the time. <laughs> Ow. Ow, that hurts. No, you do have a plan, but it's a subtle plan, and you make it seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how stand up's supposed to be. You're not supposed to know that it's rehearsed. It's supposed to feel in the moment. Hundred percent. So, um, but yeah, it was it was so fun to do that with those guys, especially um, with Josh, who's uh, Johnny's younger brother that kind of started the group. Even though he ended up moving to Texas. Yes, like the guy who started the immediately group left the group. Uh, pretty much right when we started, his mom was the one that made us start the small group, and then they're like, "Actually, we're moving to Texas, so here's these other guys." Yeah, and then next thing you know, we've got a group of dudes we're doing life with, and we don't really know many of them. Yeah, but it was so cool, and they're in uh, freshman year of college. Just crazy. No, which is nuts. It's uh. That was really fun, man. I enjoyed being a part of that, but but we were. Yeah, I think it was the first year of that, maybe second year of that. We were meeting with them. And uh, Johnny, who was in your group, was home for a bit, and you and him go and do an open mic night. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of your, you guys was a bucket list, hey, we're just going to go try it, just to try it. And he was just, I'm just going to do this once and do it. Yeah. You did it. Well, I was, didn't have a that different of a plan. I was kind of, I had some people that were really encouraging me to <laughs> do it. And so I did it. I went and did five minutes at the Laughing Skull Lounge and was so nervous that I kind of blacked out and couldn't even remember it afterwards um, but Johnny had taken a video of me so I could go back and watch it which I hope has been wiped off the face of the <laughs> earth by now um, but then I think I had only I'd only done it once or twice and then Johnny was like I want to do it mm-hmm. and uh, and he did well I bet he did and then he just didn't really want to do it anymore I think for him it was definitely a, I just want to have done this yeah. and uh, I think he probably made the right decision that I should have made because uh, <laughs> it's it becomes all consuming and it's kind of every night, and I love it, and I'm kidding. We course. were at his wedding last year. We were this year? Was it, what year was that? Uh, that would have been was last year, I think. Together. Anyway, at his wedding, we were all talking about you and the fact that to, to all of us in that group, you are the funniest person we know, but you've historically only been funny when it was us. Yeah. If you added a stranger, you didn't say much. No. So the fact that you get on stage all across this country every night a lot of nights and tell jokes to strangers we right. kind of felt like our secrets let out <laughs> like yeah it was your little that was your secret <laughs> yeah i think i'd always just been such an introvert that you know if, it, if i wasn't very comfortable with everyone in the room i wasn't going to take any risks yeah because a joke is a risk and i got to where I, for whatever reason i was really comfortable taking risks around you guys yeah. just because that was the atmosphere that you created and i think that's when i learned that i was funny was yeah. here probably because I wasn't really trying it with anyone else. Um, and, you know, you say, I think that once you get comfortable doing stand-up, it's so much easier to do it from stage than yeah. in a group of people. And Jerry Seinfeld has a quote that I love where people ask him about how he can get on stage in front of all those people, but he doesn't really like social environments. And he said, uh, I can talk to all of you, but I can't talk to any of you. And I was like, I feel that big time. There's something about them not really being allowed to talk back that helps. Because you know you're not going to get cut off. You know you can say exactly what you're trying to say, and then they can respond instead of if you're in a conversation with a bunch of people that are trying to get a word in, you can't really. I'm not the guy that's going to try to force my joke in. But when you have a, you're you're. But yeah, when I have a devoted audience, it's yeah. it's the perfect place for somebody with my temperament probably to to be funny. That's interesting. 
Yeah. Years ago, I was speaking at this camp, and at the time, I'd probably been speaking in front of students for 10 years. And this lady walks up to me after the talk and was like, Hey, you, sh- you should speak to students. This is You're really good. You've done this before. You should do this more often. Yeah. And I was like, I do this every I week. I do it all the time. <laughs> I'm glad, um, glad that I seemed new. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it really set me back. Then I thought to her, like, just it, anyway, it was like yeah. a weird... My point in that is I think you're right. Like, when you have that experience or that comfortability, it does give you a little ease and a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know how to say that well. But. And it is funny when people don't know, they don't assume that you do, like, the, that story. Yeah. They don't, like, I, people will be like, uh, the weirdest question after a comedy show is they'll go, uh, do you do this other places? <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, just here. Yep, Is this it. the only place that I do? I <laughs> was thinking like, yeah, about I do it other places. Do you know anywhere I should go, or... Yeah, yeah, just like, they have it other places? <laughs> like, oh, really? No, I just bought a ticket here to do comedy, and I'm going to fly home, and that's it. Yeah, um, yeah, I just love North Dakota. Yeah, so pretty safe. <laughs> so you, so on this timeline here, you're you're working in a corporate job, living in a cubicle, living the dream. Um, had taken a couple steps up in the ladder a little bit. If I'm oh, yeah I, mean, I, yeah, I was there for three years, and it wasn't, I never felt like it was what I was going to do forever, but I did feel like I was doing well enough there that I could do it forever. Well, let's talk about that, because we were back here, and we talked about that a bunch back here over that time period. Like, you you didn't hate your job, but you didn't love it. Yeah. It was a good job. It provided well, and you didn't, like, you weren't miserable, but it wasn't like, I want to do this the rest of my life. And it was my first job. Yeah. So I think when you're in your first job, it's hard to really know how much you like it, because you're just like, well, I guess this is just what work is. Like... I didn't. I never wanted to convince myself that I hated it because I'm like, well, what if I just hate work? <laughs> you are a it might not so. be this job. And I see, I see people do that sometimes. They just bounce between jobs. And they're like, I hate these jobs. I'm like, I think that you hate work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the place. Uh, so well, we, I was, I, I was slow to admit to myself. You were the only guy who actually had a job. Yeah, I for a while I was. Yeah. And then you quit. But yeah, um, I quit. <laughs> so what was that in you that wells up and says? I know you had some opportunities to do comedy, some of them really big opportunities in front of a bunch of people that led to a whole bunch of opportunities, but what was it in your spirit that led you to say, I'm going to take this gamble and this step of faith and step away from this and chase this full time? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not an inherent risk taker, um, naturally, so I was pretty slow, I think, I was lucky that things happened pretty fast for me in terms of opportunities, and some of that is nepotism, and some of it is that I got a lot of great stage time, so I got a little better a little faster. But um, I think for me it was, you know, for two years I was doing both. So I was working days in in the office, and then I would go do a show, and I would use all my vacation days to do these traveling gigs that I was getting asked to do. And it got to where I was making pretty good money doing stand-up, to where I felt like if I could keep up this rate of, of work, then I could support myself. Um, and then it got to where in 2018, it was, you know, May, and I was already, all my vacation days were accounted for on the calendar. Yeah. And I was still getting emails, you know, people asking me to come out to, to perform. And so I was like, either, right, either I have to start saying no to these opportunities in this thing that I think I ultimately want to do, and I was starting to admit that to myself. It's yeah. like, I think that this might be what I'm really supposed to do. Um, 
so I was like, well, why would I slow myself down in the thing that I feel like I'm being called to do just to keep doing this job that I feel whatever about? So it was kind of a, it, it was interesting because I, w I had applied for a new job at my company and I just found out that I got it and it was a good, pretty good promotion. Um, and it was at the exact same time that I was realizing I think I need to quit. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, they called me and told me I got the job. And then I had to call them back and say, actually, I, I quit. <laughs> this is a job I haven't started. So, you know, and in the midst of that, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of conversations with my family and with my girlfriend. And it's, uh, and I was the last person kind of in my immediate circle to decide. My parents were like, why would you not just, you know, this is the time to take a risk. You have the least amount of responsibility you're ever going to have. My yeah. girlfriend's like, this is what makes you happy. Why would you not just pursue it all yeah. the way? And so at the end of the day, it kind of was a very clear decision. I felt yeah. like I was getting the go-ahead from, from praying and having conversations with the important people. And I had about a, a five-month runway of being booked well enough that I wouldn't have to move home with my parents. And thankfully, that's, I've been able to push that forwards. And uh, it's been going well. So I haven't looked back. No, you haven't. I have man. lunch with some of my old coworkers sometimes, and, and uh, they're still doing good. Like, what's it like they're the like outside? so what do you do you're still doing that well like, yeah still doing it <laughs> but i did have lunch with the guy that had hired me for the job i didn't take and he said now in the interview their first question is you don't have any like hobbies right <laughs> like, <laughs> think nine, you never do like magic or stand yeah. uh, <laughs> they're just funny. like <laughs> and it's like accounting so everybody's just like no <laughs> yeah, we had a bad experience interesting because a lot of people think if you're like a comedian or a musician or whatever that you work a couple hours a week yeah that's you know? true <laughs> i'm just kidding people assume but you know people yeah. assume that oh yeah they're like, like you're only on stage for 15 minutes is that all you had to do today? yeah so so tell me that in your brain like i know you're, you're a detailed person but um you know i know you're always working on material you're always observing things you're always thinking about things how, how does that play out for you as far as the time thing, I know you've got to be at a venue and meet people and do all that stuff. And right. there's all that part of, it's not just the 15 minutes. There's all the other business parts of that too. But yeah, what does that look like? Is it's is a comedian? What's kind of keeping you? Yeah. And I think, you know, when you work for yourself, you have to be so much more intentional about making sure you're productive. You don't have a boss looking over, looking over my desk saying, all right, what'd you do today? Yeah. What you, what are you going to do next? You know, you have to set your own goals and your own expectations for what you're going to accomplish. So I think that's been a learning process. I think that, um, there's a lot more just work involved in, in kind of running my career. There's a lot more time behind a desk than I thought there would yes. be for being a, a comedian. You know, I'm, I'm booking myself. I'm doing emails and travel arrangements and also writing and, traveling and uh trying to come up with new material and all that stuff and i let myself sleep in a little more because i'm staying out later working air quotes yeah um but it, you know it, one of the the buzzwords back here on the porch is seasons and i think it kind of changes based on the season and different gigs require a different amount of work and sometimes i have to write specific things for yeah. certain gigs and sometimes it's just i'm just going to come and do my act the most complete version that that it is so it kind of changes and i have seasons where or months where i'm on the road the whole time and i don't have as much time to focus on the behind the laptop stuff and then there's weeks where i'm home the whole time and i can get a ton of writing done and a ton of administrative type stuff yeah. done so it's just about 
staying organized. And I think that the finance job helped me a lot hmm. in terms of the administrative and kind of the business management side of what I'm what I'm doing. So what's that? Um, we've talked about this before, but th this idea, like I know that you do a mix of um, comedy opportunities for like churches and ministries, but also you do a lot of just comedy clubs that are not church type yeah. environments <laughs> in your head. The opposite. Yeah, basically, um, which I love, and I know that's your heart. You yeah. want to be um, someone that is positive and encouraging and fun. And, um, but, but what's that, that kind of polarity of balancing the content, but also the audience and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to think of a couple of stories you said, they're probably not appropriate. On the front end, but, um, <laughs> you got some good ones. Of some of the crowds you've, you've interacted with. <laughs> um, but what's that in your brain that balance? Like if I'm going to go do a church gig or I'm doing uh, a regular comedy club thing, like how does that work right. in your brain? To me, that's one of the most fun parts of, of what I've been doing is that I do get to do, you know, I started in comedy clubs and I'm still very much in that world. And then I'm also getting to go do a lot of shows at churches and ministry events and fundraisers. And so it is very different, you would think, the audiences, and it's a very different demographics yeah. from place to place. But my goal is to write jokes that are funny enough for a comedy club and clean enough for a ministry event. And I, I don't have many jokes that I can only tell in one of those. Yes. Um, and so that's the lane I try to keep my mind in, and I think that that's helped me in both. Because it's funny, I do the comedy club, and they say I'm the clean one, and then I do the, the ministry show, and I'm the edgy one. <laughs> so it's kind of a fun place to be, because I get to play both roles. Yeah. I'm kind of the good guy and the, the guy that pushes the limits. Um, so it's fun. I think that being in church environments helps me from falling into the trap that a lot of comedians fall into of being at the comedy club every, every night and, you know, start next thing you know, you're, you're drinking every night because it's easy and it's free and yeah. it's what everybody's doing. So I think that, that it's been really healthy for me to have both yeah. because I'm connected to what's going on in the regular world, which is important if you're going to be a comedian. You have to yeah. kind of know what, what normal people are doing, which normal people aren't always in church. Um, normal is the wrong word. Um, I think I get but then I need to be in church because I have to feed myself and I have to be around those people to to keep my relationship with God and where I want it to be. Yeah. So I've been in a, it's been fun. I don't know many comedians that are doing both, and I wish there were more. And doing both well, I'll say that for you. Like I, I think there's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's but, um, yeah. It's it's definitely a polarity to manage, and thus far it's been something you've been able to do pretty well, and I know it's been. A challenge, but a really cool opportunity too. Well, it keeps my calendar full because I'm. A, I can, I can. I like to think I can do any audience, and and, and do well. But um. Yeah. So what was that like? I didn't tell you he's going to ask this question, but what was it like this summer? You had the opportunity to go to, literally the biggest comedy thing of the year in Canada, and you had, you were in quote unquote new face. Right. What was that like? That opportunity to be, and that opportunity as a new comedian with all these famous. I mean, this is like life-changing type of potential opportunity. What was that? Yeah, I got like? to do... I was a new face uh, just for laughs comedy festival in Montreal, which is a huge honor, and pretty much any comedian you've you've heard of probably did that. Yeah, so sure. I was it was I was thrilled to get selected, yeah. and uh, it was nuts. It was crazy. I I never thought as kind of a cleaner comedian that I would be as much on their radar to get chosen for something like that. Um, but it was the best. I mean, it's like. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to go to Montreal during that festival, it is 
so worth it. It's like comedy, summer camp, and, you know, the huge name. You're walking down the street and you see, I see my comedy idols and people that I'm fans of and I try to I try to act <laughs> like a peer rather yeah. than a fan, but in reality I'm still more a fan than a peer. Um, but it was so much fun and I made so many new friends and I got a lot of cool opportunities and I uh, feel super blessed to have been yeah. able to do that. What's it like to you, uh, what's it like to make people laugh? Like when you're up front and you see people just generally enjoying themselves, what is that like for you? Um, when it's going when it's going well, it's the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, in, in high school we went skydiving with a lot of the guys that were in our group and it's such an adrenaline rush. And I remember getting done with the first time I ever did like really well, like from my beginning of my, if I watched the video now, I probably would disagree, but at least at the time I felt like I did great for my whole five minutes. And I remember thinking, there's no feeling like that. There's just nothing that could like, I, in, the, in those moments you go, I will do this forever. Whether people pay me or not, yeah. this will be a part of my life probably forever and uh it's just unbeatable and i think that as comedians whether it's healthy or not we're always chasing that feeling of i just made a whole room of people delighted yeah. <laughs> for however long and it's uh it's very addicting it's a ton of adrenaline and it's fun and and sometimes you get done with a show and somebody comes up and says hey i've been going through a really hard time and yeah, i needed to laugh tonight and I haven't laughed like that in a long time thank you and you're like well that's not why i was I didn't know that that was those were the stakes tonight, but I'm so glad that yeah. my silly hobby slash career could <laughs> affect someone's life in a positive way. And sometimes you forget that comedy can do that. But anytime that that, that is the outcome is it kind of reminds you that how important comedy can be, and it makes me yeah. makes me want to work harder. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, and today's culture is so polarizing. You know, to be able to get people together and find things in common and laugh. Yeah. Like, that's that's a healthy thing. We all need to do more of that. Instead of pointing I think so. Yeah, and there's no quicker way to bring a group of people together than if you can make them laugh at the same thing, I think. It's really a unifying, you know, you can put people from totally different backgrounds in a room, and if they watch a video of, you know, some hilarious youtube video everybody's laughing and yeah it brings down barriers and it just creates opportunities for cool conversations and i'm friends with people i never you know probably would have naturally become friends with if yeah. i hadn't started doing comedy and i'm blown away by the impact that the laughter and comedy can just have on people gosh i love it that's cool so very serious question yes i'm gonna pivot for a minute let's uh, hear it and i'll tell a little history here when you were in high school uh one of my passions one of the things i love in this world we've already talked about it is college football oh yeah and so i invited you guys to do this uh espn free college pick them when you pick 10 games a week and literally for 10 plus years now almost every year you win our pick them yeah and many people have come and gone many people join every year and never finish the season they give up uh-huh and once again this year you managed to pull out and take the victory you know, I think it's Just mostly. Want to know why? The main reason is that I don't have a lot of other stuff going on, <laughs> so I can I never forget yeah. to do because usually by the end there's only like three teams that have remembered to make their picks every week. Yes. And I think I don't think I've ever forgotten. So that's number one. That's correct. Number two, uh, I don't take a lot of risks until the end if I need to. I think people get too excited early in the season, start picking upsets, and that's a huge mistake. 
Ooh. I'm looking at you. Yeah, I know you are. During that. I feel it. I can see it. Uh, you're going to want to wait and take your risk. If, you know, you don't want to start throwing up three-pointers mm-hmm. till the end of the game when you know you're behind by I've 10 and you got to catch up. I will never take their advice again. Yeah, I don't watch that. Uh, but I've no, I've never, I don't gamble on sports, but this if there's any indication that I should do that is, I mean, is that I've been able to do that league pretty well. No, I think that's a fun... Like, and I, I'm worried that I've made enemies. Um, I don't know if I've made enemies. Probably people more jealous than envious. Yeah, well, jealousy, you know. I mean, it's, it's still it's a It's fuel, uh, fuel for a nemesis. Yes, well. So. If he's listening, he knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I love that because it makes me... I mean, totally random, but what I love about that pick'em is there's games I would never watch that I'm all of a sudden I care about. You know, they matter. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, who's going to win that game? And you're like, you're so there's been several times. Like, I've never even heard of that school. Like, cheering or getting fired up about something just because yeah. they're in the pick'em. <laughs> and, and I picked them to win or I picked them to lose and I need those five points or whatever. It's, yep. just, it's fun. Makes it fun. Anyway, yeah. that's that was a random question. But uh, So for you, in kind of in the season of where you're at, um, what's the balance of uh, a couple more questions and we'll wrap up but, yeah. but um, that balance of like faith and comedy how does that play out for you yeah and going back to what we said earlier it helps me that I'm in these ministry environments all the time and I, yeah. I get to visit the downside for me is I don't get to go to church every week in yeah. my home church a lot of times I'm visiting other churches or I'm doing you know comedy clubs and yeah. their shows on Sundays and so I, I don't have that consistent kind of home base that I had in high school and in college where I've got the group of guys that are holding me accountable I'm, I'm fortunate to still have um, people in my life that, that know that I need accountability when yeah. I'm on the road that are checking in with me and cool. to have that but um, also in today's day and age it's great because I can watch church online 100% and I can listen to podcasts and, you know, the Bible's on your phone, <laughs> which is nice. Um, but like like any season when you're trying to, you know, keep a strong relationship with, with God and, and keep your faith where it needs to be, it's all about just being intentional and yeah. not letting it fall into second place, even when you have something that's begging to take first place from your life. So I, I definitely don't do a, a great job of it all the time, but... I've learned that now more than ever, I have to be really intentional to to make sure I'm I'm where I need to be. Yeah, you've always, and I have a ton of respect for your family for a lot of reasons, but one of them is I've never ever sensed any pressure for you due to your last name or who you're related to from that perspective that you have to be like I've always felt like your parents wanted you to be who you were. Yeah, and definitely. never felt like you had to be. Andy Stanley's son, or whatever that is, like, you're just, they want you to be Andrew, and to chase being Andrew, and to be, obviously yeah. be a man of faith, and be a man of character, but they, there was no pressure for you to, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Yeah, they never, they never pushed me hard into anything specific, I mean, as long as, as I was pursuing my relationship with God, they didn't, Yeah. they weren't saying, well, that has to mean you have to become this, and. I think the older I get, the more I realize how fortunate I am and how thankful I am that my parents had that mentality and attitude yeah. in parenting us because I see other preacher's kids or really of any anybody's, any type of parent, whether they're religious or not, 
that pressure their kids to be something so specific that the kids maybe aren't able to pay attention to what their real calling is. And I, we never had any of that in our house, and I'm, I'm very thankful. We all have our stuff, you know, good days and bad days and yeah. things in our family. But I've told you this, and I, I don't mind sharing this publicly, but I, knowing you and knowing your family, I have a lot more respect for your family because uh, there's no pretentious of we're perfect or we're like the religious right or anything, but um, I just... Um, your family practices what they preach, which is pretty cool. They do. I'm trying to find some flaws with my parents um, these days. <laughs> now that I'm an adult and I can feel like I gotta see where uh-huh. where's the skeletons, and it's tough. They're really good at hiding their skeletons, yeah. so they might be perfect. Uh, no, they're not. No, but we'll uh, I think they are. They're great. They've been. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, the question I ask everybody on the podcast, and, and you've heard me use this word umpteen billion times, but mm-hmm. um, what does the word legacy mean to you? The word legacy. Well, now, whenever I hear it, I just think of you. Because <laughs> you, you've branded yourself so well. Um, and I think it's appropriate that you branded yourself that way, because when I think about legacy, I think about lasting impact. I think about what people think of when they think of of you and when I think about my legacy I don't I w- of course want people to think I'm funny but if at the sure. end of the day that's all people remember about me or all they know about me then I've probably failed to uh, to be the person I need to be so I mean I think it's all about leaving something behind that benefits other people whether that's your words or your actions or whatever it may be I think that's what legacy means to me that's awesome Rhyme it. That's great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny talking. Is that is that the right answer? <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because I it's just you know me. That's such a passion for me. Of course. Talk about it a lot. I don't I don't want to be self serving to ask that question, but it's it's part of this podcast and with legacy now. I want that to be a question that yeah. We, right around, and we've talked about that a lot. But I, I mean, for me, honestly, there were some times the last couple of years watching you with those dudes. And some of the things that you would say subtly, I would just kind of smile and be like, man, this is so cool to see you investing in these dudes and you sharing your wisdom and your life with those guys. That was, that was a cool thing for me watching that, being a part of that. That was fun. Well, that is part of your legacy too. Whatever I do now reflects on you. Uh, So I can control a little bit of your legacy. So that's great. Thank you for that. That's what you do when you, uh, when you mentor people. Hey, if I happen to have never met you and I'm here in this podcast and I think, that guy's awesome. I want to bring him in yeah. to do comedy for me. How would I oh, communicate man. with you? Um, I have a website, andrewstanleycomedy.com, that hopefully is getting redone in the next week or so, but it'll still be the same address. And then I'm on Instagram at andrewwstanley. And those are the two places that it's very easy to get in touch with me. Awesome. So that's great. Good times. Well, buddy, thanks for hanging out and being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for uh, joining us on the porch. Bye. Bye.